Amen. I've heard it said, if that didn't bless you, then your blesser's broken. Amen. What a praise this morning to worship him. Um, I so appreciate what Pastor Greg said uh, during those, the intermission between those two songs. And just, uh, he is the great I am. And we get to worship him this morning as our father and through our savior. And so we praise the Lord for that. Uh, what a great morning it has been. And uh, I'm excited for what the Lord has for us as we continue into his word. As again, we recognize today being a day of international day of prayer for voice of the martyrs. Um, I want to, again, just kind of explain what this is, uh, again, from their own words. The International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church is a special time set aside as a global prayer meeting on behalf of the persecuted Christians who stand as a bold witness to Christ on the world's most difficult and dangerous frontier mission fields. And that's their statement of how they explain today. And what's amazing is, yes, today is a day that we gather. Um, and today's the official day. Uh, really, they recommend any day in November you can do this. But they, uh, November 6th, today, the first Sunday, is usually the day that they recognize as that day of prayer. And so I want you to think about something. Right now, you are joining with thousands of churches who are praying for and praying and asking God to watch over our brothers and sisters who are in foreign fields that are on the front line and are going through things that we can't even imagine. And you're joining with them this morning. And so we're going to go through the service today. As I said before, we're going to watch a, a short story as an example of what some are going through. And then we're going to spend some time, when we get to our invitation time, uh, we're going to spend some time in prayer. And we're going to invite you to, whether they're in your seats, or maybe you want to come forward and bend a knee. Uh, we're not going to make anyone do anything, but maybe you want to come and just bend a knee and say, Lord, I'm going to ask that you'd be with our brothers and sisters, and we would spend some, some dedicated time in prayer. Now, we know that to be a follower of Christ in this world is difficult enough in our nation. Just being a follower of Christ in this world is difficult it's so difficult because we live with heaven on our mind. We live with a God-centered view of our lives. We live in a way to honor him, and our world does not share that same passion, that same drive. And so just to live as a follower of Christ in your workplace can be extremely difficult. To live for some as a follower of Christ in your own home can be difficult. Uh, we're getting ever so close to our holiday season and Thanksgiving and Christmas, and I, I do feel as though I need to make a confession this morning. And so I know last week I made a confession that I may have 50s gold on my satellite radio programmed. And so I know that was a confession. I shared that. You were so gracious and so kind to receive my repentance. And I appreciate that. And so I thought, well, maybe I need to confess something else this morning. Last week I may have made a comment that, that we set up our Christmas decorations the day after Thanksgiving. And that's how the Lord would have it. Okay? Amen. And I got, I got a little bit of pressure from the Spirit immediately after service. Because it was a beautiful weekend last weekend, as it was this weekend. And it was, I think it was like 60 degrees on Sunday. And Sandra said, you know, it's so nice out. Why would you wait until, you know, after later in November or even beginning of December to put the, the icicle lights up on the house? It's so nice. Why don't you just do it today? That's a great idea. And as I was on the top of the ladder, hanging the icicle lights, the Spirit of God came upon that moment and just said, you know, you may have said this this morning, 
So I just want you to know I apologize. Put up whatever you want, whenever you want. I don't really care, okay? No, obviously I was joking last week, um, but I, I had to share that because I was literally in the letter. I was like, if any neighbors drive by that go to our church, they're going to be like, what a hypocrite. Look at this guy. Preaches one thing, does another. But no, I thought that was too funny last week. But as we get close to the, the holiday seasons and to a season and to Thanksgiving and Christmas, and with that comes dinners, comes meals. And, and one of my favorite things of, of celebrating Thanksgiving and Christmas is, is time with family around a, a dinner table, a time of fellowship. And I know some of you, as followers of Christ, though, when you go to your family dinners, it's, it's not as enjoyable maybe as it used to be. Because you come in as a follower of Christ and you know there's going to be that conversation. There's going to be that one person that seems to want to antagonize your Christian faith and wants to prod you and poke at you and maybe even mock you. And you go into that, even in that simple setting, and you pray, Lord, would you just give me strength and wisdom? You see, just in everyday life, it's difficult to be a follower of Christ. By the way, it's difficult to be a follower of Christ because we are at our core imperfect, in the flesh, still can give in to temptation, still can sin. And so we know that it's difficult to be a follower of Christ, not only because of others, but because of ourselves. Because we don't even truly surrender some days to what God would have us to do or how God would have us to live. And so we know that it's just difficult to be a Christian in general in our world today. But for many of our brothers and sisters in Christ, being a Christian in their country in their homes, in their communities, is not just difficult or awkward or, or at times challenging. It's literally life-threatening. It's literally costing them their lives to profess the name of Christ. Now, I, I wasn't paying attention, but when I came in this morning, I didn't see anyone at the doors harassing you when you came in. I didn't see any military officers or secret police outside with AK-47s threatening you that if you came in this building, you could be killed. I, I didn't see that this morning. When we leave here today, there's not going to be people waiting outside with literal stones in their hands waiting to throw them at you or threatening to arrest you because you dared to gather in the name of Christ. I didn't see that and it won't be out there. And so this morning is about stepping back and not focusing on just our problems, our issues. I find for me, when I begin to really understand what our brothers and sisters are going through, the petty little things go away. You know, churches that major in the minors and major in these petty little differences, I find most of those believers are only tunnel vision on themselves. Their feelings. I'm not saying those feelings aren't real. I'm not saying we don't address those things. What I'm saying, though, is in the scope of the global church, we need to step back and say, man, I need to pray for my brothers and sisters overseas. I need to pray for my brothers and sisters who are going through things I can't even understand. It's difficult for all of us. We can acknowledge that. But for some, it's life-threatening. So today, we desire to unite with them in prayer and support because we are all one body in Christ doesn't matter what denomination's on the door. If they're in Christ, they're our brothers and sisters. They're our family. Not only will we pray and unite with the global church for our persecuted brothers and sisters, I also want to use this morning or ask that God would rather use this service this morning to put into application what we just talked about for four weeks. We looked at the person in the book of Joshua and we said, Lord, we want strong and courageous faith. 
Man, we're going we're gonna to hear about some strong and courageous faith today. And I pray that as we focus our attention on what God is doing globally, it will kind of create in us this desire to grow in our faith, to be strengthened. Because here's the reality. We may see different types of persecution in our world today, but as Christians, we're all being persecuted for being followers of Christ, just at different levels. And that's okay. We, we actually, Peter says, we should welcome that. We should count it a joy if we suffer for Christ. But so many Christians don't really count it a joy. You've met believers, I know believers that go through the minorest, small, minorest, is that a word? Minorist. It is now. It's, it's online. It's, it's going to be hashtagging minorist anytime now. I can see it. It's going to be great. But the most minute, simple little things, simple little persecutions. If somebody was mean to me, somebody called me a name. Somebody said this, somebody did that for Christ. And we just, oh Lord, I don't know if I can do it. We need to grow strong and courageous in our faith because persecution will come into our lives. Not might, but will. Now, to different degrees, obviously. And we're going to talk about that. But I pray that not only would we grow in prayer for our brothers and sisters and thinking of others, I pray that it would strengthen our own faith as well. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 13, verse 3. Hebrews chapter 13, if you're using one of the Bibles provided, which are in the seats there in front of you, uh, you can turn to page 850, 850. If you're using one of the Bibles provided, Hebrews chapter 13, we're going to just read verse 3. Again, if you want to follow along and take notes, we're not going to be to the note section for just a few more minutes, but you can pull up your app there. You can go into the media, sermon notes, And then you'll see today's date, click on that, and then you'll see an outline pop up there. So if you want to follow along that way, you can as well. So Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 3. A simple verse, but one that I believe can encourage us in our thinking and in our prayer lives as followers of Christ. Hebrews chapter 13, look at verse 3. Remember them that are in bonds, as bound with them. And them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. So what is the encouragement here, the, the, the challenge here, the call here from the author of Hebrews? Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them. And them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Let's pray and ask God to open our hearts and minds to these things and affirm them as well. Father, We ask that as we come before you today that we would remember those in bonds, those going through adversity. Lord, I know that we're going to talk about some maybe and see an example of maybe a more extreme example of this. But Lord, I pray that we would know that church history for 2,000 years is full of examples like this. Lord, to be honest, Christians living in a culture or in a society that aren't being persecuted, that aren't being threatened, Lord, compared with church history, that's relatively new. As American Christians, we have enjoyed by the sacrifice of many great freedoms to worship you, to come gather freely, to carry our Bibles openly, to share Christ freely. We might get some funny looks, we might get some mockery, some laughter, we might get made fun of, we might get called out. Lord, in some cases, there might be physical persecution, but compared with what's going on all over the world, other nations, other places don't enjoy the same freedoms. 
And yet, Lord, the church thrives. And yet, Lord, people are coming to Christ. And yet, people are coming to Christ not only to make their lives better, but they're coming to Christ knowing it may cost them their very lives. And Lord, that's really the testimony of the church throughout history. So my prayer this morning is, is really kind of just a couple of things. I pray that you would help us to think on these stories, these situations, to be praying for, it doesn't have to be by name, but praying for other nations and individuals, Lord, that are going through this. Lord, we have the prayer guide that was given to us at the beginning of this year, Lord, that goes nation by nation where we can pray for individual nations that are hostile or restricted to the Christian faith. Lord, I pray that also it would grow our faith, that we would go into our weeks and into our days confident and and bold in Christ, not fearful or timid, but confident, not in ourselves, but in the cross, in the gospel. But Lord, also I pray that that confidence and that boldness will push us to be committed. Lord, I've met many a Christian in this country that have said boldly, oh, I'd go to prison for Jesus. I would go, I would go to jail for Christ. But Lord, the reality is the vast number of Christian Americans won't even go to church for Jesus. How can we stand and say we'll die for Christ if we won't even attend a service for Christ? We won't even gather more than once or twice a year for Christ because we govern our lives by convenience and comfort, not by the call of Christianity, which is not casual it is, it is a call to sacrifice, to surrender. But Lord, all the joy, all the peace that comes when we fully surrender. So I pray, Lord, that we would learn from our brothers and sisters this morning. I pray that we would learn from the story, as we're going to see in just a short time, of what Rebecca has gone through. And I pray that it wouldn't be an emotional response only, but it'd be an intellectual response that we would agree that we need to live for you no matter the cost. We thank you, Father, for our brothers and sisters all over this world that are living for you in difficult and dangerous situations. May you challenge us this morning, Holy Spirit, to draw us unto conviction, unto repentance where we need to repent. And I pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as their Lord and personal Savior, I pray that they would come to know you before they leave this place, trusting in you, in your salvation alone, your death, burial, and resurrection, not in good works, but in Christ. Father, we love you. We thank you for this morning. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 3. What a powerful challenge here from the author of Hebrews. That we remember those that are in chains for Christ as though we ourselves were in chains. So let me ask you a question. If your brother, if your sister, if your parents, if your loved one was in in chains for Christ, was in literal bondage for Jesus somewhere in the world, how often, you don't need to answer out loud, but how often would you pray for them? How often would you think of them? How often would you share that with them and want them to know that you are praying for them and love them and care for them? How much would you ask others to be praying for them? You see, the author of Hebrews says that when we are in Christ, if one of us is suffering, we all join in that suffering. If one of us is going through a time of adversity, we all go through that time of adversity. Now, in our daily life, that's difficult. I know we're all busy. And I'm not saying we have to walk around 24-7 literally audibly praying for the persecuted church. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, though, is that when the Lord brings this to your mind, maybe you would pause at work. 
You would pause in the home. You would spend just a moment or two to say, Lord, would you be with them? Whatever that looks like for you, that's really what we're saying is it would become just habitual to think of what's going on in the world around us. And so often we can get very tunnel focused, can we not? We think of ourselves more than others. And even this time of year, we're thinking more about others, and that's a great thing to do. But really, in our daily life, we think, well, I just don't have time. Again, I believe that when we really understand the call of Christianity, we'll understand that we need to make time. That this is not a call to casual living for Jesus because he makes your life better. That is not the gospel. Sometimes I get frustrated when I hear certain songs or or whatever, um, Christian songs, that that I think the idea is great and the, the desire of the message is great. But we were just listening the other day to one that literally said, more or less, come to Jesus and you'll have all your felt needs met. That if you have problems in your life, he'll fix those. If you want a better life, receive Christ, he'll make your life better. Here's the reality. Will Christ make your life better? A thousand percent, yes. That is not the call of the gospel. The call of the gospel is not come to Christ, he'll make your life better. The call of the gospel is come to Christ because you are dead in your trespasses and sins and have no actual life. You come to Christ, he will quicken you, make you alive, and he will fill you with his spirit, and he will use you for his glory, and you will be blessed, and there will be joy, but there will also be times of persecution and trial and suffering. And as I alluded to in my prayer, I've, I've, I've had people tell me, oh, brother, I would die for Jesus. But yet so often as American Christians, we won't even attend church for Jesus. But we declare we'll live and die for him. But we can't get out of bed and get to church. And that's not to make anyone feel guilty of anything. You're here, obviously. What I'm saying, though, is do we really mean what we say? Or are we just saying what we're supposed to say? I think the more we realize what's going on in the world around us, the more it will challenge us to live a consistent, surrendered, submitted life for Christ. I'm not talking about perfection. We all struggle. There's many a Sunday I get up and I don't want to get up. This morning wasn't so bad because we got that extra hour, so it was great. Although everyone in my house apparently still got up at the same time. I was like, what are we doing? It's not time to get up yet. Go back to bed, okay? The dog was on a clock too. He was up and he's walking around and he's pacing. I hear his tail hitting the wall by the bed and I'm laying there pretending to sleep. Maybe if he thinks I'm sleeping, he won't make me let him out. And he's still there. I was like, go away, go away. We've all had those days. We've all had times where we struggle in that. But what's the, what's the desire of your heart? Do you really want to live for Jesus? Or do you just say that? Do you really know him as your Lord and personal Savior, surrendered and submitted to him? Because Hebrews says, man, if we, are, if we are in Christ, we need to be in bonds with them, think of them, pray for them, and encourage them as best we can. Voice of the Martyrs, to go along with today, uh, provided a short video testimony of a woman that her story kind of gives us a glimpse into what it means to suffer for Christ. And it's only, it's a short video, but I wanted to share this this morning. And then I'm going to give you some information afterwards how maybe you can be a part of helping in something like this. And so we're going to watch this story and see how God would move in us to respond in our own lives. My name is Rebecca. I live in the north of Nigeria. One evening I was out with my daughter and on our way home we saw smoke rising above our village. 
we were under attack. There was nothing we could do to defend ourselves. My husband and I were married in that village. My wedding day, it was the happiest day of my life. Some members of our church gave us a wedding gift. It was a Bible. We read it together every day. children were old enough, we read it to them and their friends. Let the little children come to me. Let the little children come to me. And do not forbid them. And do not forbid them. For such is the kingdom of heaven. Such is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. Verse 14. On the day our village burnt to the ground, my husband and my son were killed in the attack. I was devastated. I mourned for many months. Some of us were able to return to our village to reclaim anything that was left. Revelation were burnt, but the rest was mostly intact. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like a wild flower. The grass withers, and the flower falls off. But the word of the Lord endures forever.
I still use this Bible. It reminds me of God's faithfulness. Naked I came from my mother's womb, but naked I shall return there. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord is a husband to all widows. I look to him for every need. This is what I am still holding on to. Words kind of, kind of fail when you see something like that and you see what people go through. I want to let you know that you can have a hand in helping and provide Bibles to areas that are under great persecution. If you want to make a note of this, you can, or I can give it to you after service. But you can go on uh, Voice of the Martyrs website, which is actually just persecution.com and then slash Bibles. And you can actually, as an individual, as a family, uh, you can select what you would like to do if you want to be a part of helping people in need of Bibles all over the world who are under persecution. The, you can choose uh, five Bibles for $30, and that would provide five Bibles to five individuals, or, $30, or for uh, $30, or 200 Bibles for $1,200, and they have a large range in between, 5, 10, 25, 50, and you can choose on there what you'd like to do. If you want to just support what Voice of the Martyrs is doing all over the world to help persecuted believers, you can just go on persecution.com, and there's a, a link there that just says give, and that just goes generally towards helping them. The group responsible for Rebecca's village being burned and the loss of her family is uh, responsible for many burnings, many killings, many acts of violence. Um, they are kind of a radical, revolutionary-type group that want to rid any Western influence in their country, any Western influence whatsoever, which would include Christianity. Um, that village did nothing to provoke them. That village did nothing to antagonize them. All they did was exist as believers. And so for me, when I hear this story, it draws me to what am I really driven with day to day? Like when I wake up in the morning, what really motivates me? Am I, am I, am I really willing and ready to give my life for Jesus today? Am I ready to sacrifice whatever it takes? Do you notice where she found herself? Worshiping. Praising the Lord. 
So we want to ask a question this morning. How do we handle when persecution comes into our lives? How do we handle when we hear stories of others who deal with persecution? As I said, we are blessed to live in the country we live in. It's okay to acknowledge that. Now, I know that there are many things we don't like about our country. There's many things that we don't care for in our politics and our government and all of that. But we still gather freely today. And I, around this time in conversations with people, someone told me one time, well, yeah, brother, but, but who knows for how much longer? You know, they might come take our freedoms to gather. My response is twofold. One, that's fine. We'll still gather. That's not going to be a problem. We don't gather because the government allows us to. We gather because the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together to worship. And that's why we gather. But my other response is, usually I find it interesting when people say that I, I want to, as graciously as I can, say, well, how are you utilizing the freedoms you already have if you're so worried about the ones you're going to lose? Well, brother, pretty soon we won't be able to carry the Bible around. Won't be able to preach the word. Okay, so how are you preaching the word in your daily life right now? How much time are you spending in the word of God today? Brother, you can't gather. Pretty soon they're going to put a lock on the door. Okay, well, how often are you here now? Well, I come, I, I, you know, I'm there, brother. I'm there. Well, that's fine. It's not a guilt thing. It's not a legalism thing. It's a passion thing. It's a driven to do what God has called us to do. And so, again, how do we respond when we hear Rebecca's story? How do we respond when persecution comes into our life. I want to look at three simple things that I, I see in Rebecca's story that I pray would encourage us as well. The first thing I want to talk about when persecution comes is we cling to the word. We cling to the word. The reason we cling to the word is because this is our source of strength. We cling to the word of God. I couldn't imagine holding that Bible that she held, burned and charred, pieces missing, and yet she carries it to church with her. Why? Because the word of God is the source of our strength. This is where our strength is found. And I love that she went to scripture. And the Bible's accurate. We come into this world with nothing and we'll leave with nothing. The only thing we take with us is our relationship with Jesus Christ or the lack thereof. The choice we make for Christ, the side of eternity, determines where we will spend eternity. You see, there is nothing more powerful in our lives than the word of God. It is the very mind of God given to us that we might know him and know what his will is for us in this life. The word of God is the source of our strength. I'm always amazed how many times I've heard a follower of Christ under persecution, whether reading an article or hearing a testimony, speak to the power of a simple verse of Scripture, that that simple verse gave them such power, such strength. You see, the Word gives us strength to avoid temptation to sin. It is our strength against the temptations of Satan. We see this in Matthew chapter 4. But it is also our strength to stand in the face of persecution. This word will give you the strength to overcome temptation. That when we memorize the word of God and we hide God's word in my heart that I might not sin against him, we do that, that we can draw on scripture to speak against temptation. 
that when you face temptation, whether as a teenager or as an adult, whatever it is, you do not have to give in in the cause of Christ. And as a follower of Christ, you can have victory over that temptation, not because you are strong enough, but because the word of God says that he is in you and he will give you the strength to overcome. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. No temptation has taken you, but that which is common to man. And he is faithful that he will provide a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. This is the word of God, and this is why it's so valuable to us. Not to just bring the church and read when I read it, but I pray that every single day you're spending time in his word. Why? Because it's true. One day this book might be outlawed. One day you might have this taken from you. And you've heard stories, I've heard stories of Christians all over the world that when they do get a Bible, they feel so guilty for having a completed Bible, they will break apart all the books and give it to the people in their church. I heard a story years ago from the underground church in China where they had one Bible and they disseminated it in book by book to all the people in the church. You had it for, I believe, like three months. Then when you met back together, the next time you had church, because they could only meet every so many months in a large gathering for fear of being caught or persecuted. They had to meet in small groups in homes. That in three months, your job was to memorize the book of the Bible that you were given because you're giving it to someone else and you're getting a different one. So if you got the gospel of John, you got three months to memorize the book of John because that's all you're going to have of it. I mean, do you see the difference between what our brothers and sisters are going through and what we are spoiled with in this country? And it's okay to say that we're blessed with the word of God. It's not that we should ever feel bad for having a copy of God's word. My point is, how are we investing in the word that we've been given? Because it is our source of strength when persecution comes. Why is the word of God such a strength in the face of persecution? Because the word reveals that persecution will come into our lives. It warns us of its, the persecution that we will face. And that persecution actually serves a purpose in God's plan. Go back a few books to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. I'm just going to read a couple of verses there. Again, if you're using a Bible provided, page 827. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. The Apostle Paul writing here to the church at Philippi that supported his mission's work says this, but I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happen unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ, his literal imprisonments in Christ, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. See, this is God's word telling us that persecution will come. It comes into all of our lives. But the reality is that the persecution we face is a part of God's plan. That God will use the persecution that we go through to advance the very kingdom of God, to advance the gospel into different places. And we see that in our world today. You see, we cling to the word because it is our source of strength. Secondly, we call out in prayer. We call out in prayer. This is our source of endurance. We cling to the word. It is a source of our strength. We call out in prayer because it is the source of our endurance. It is how we have the stamina to continue to walk in this world. 
Why does it give us strength? Why does prayer give us strength to continue to endure? How do we endure these things? First Peter 5, 7. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. You see, it gives you endurance. It gives you stamina because you know when I lay this at his feet, he cares for me. He's concerned about me. He cares and loves me as my father. So that will give me the patience and the endurance to keep moving, to keep going. Prayer sets our minds on the Lord and in difficult times gives us great endurance to persevere. In Acts chapter 7, verses 59 through 60, we won't turn there for time's sake, we read of Stephen's final prayer. Stephen was the first Christian martyr recorded in the Word of God, and we read that the account of his death takes place in Acts chapter 7. He was arrested at the end of Acts chapter 6, And chapter 7 is his defense, if you will, or his sermon to the religious, where he recounts the history of Israel and the gospel. At the end of this, the people are convicted by the Spirit. And instead of submitting and surrendering, as we see in Acts chapter 2, where the religious Jews said, what must we do to be saved? These religious individuals got angry and decided to kill Stephen because he dared to preach Christ to them. So the Bible literally says they killed him for his faith because he just preached Jesus to them. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 we see the encouragement is to set our eyes upon the Lord, to set our gaze upon him, to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. What we see in Acts chapter 7 is Stephen do the exact same thing. When Stephen is being killed, he looks unto heaven and he says he sees the Lord Jesus Christ on the right hand. He sees the heavens open and he cries out in prayer and he asks God to forgive those that are killing him, that are persecuting him, that are taking his very life. He says, I ask that you would forgive them. Don't lay this against their charge. You see, Stephen went to prayer at the end of his life because I believe he was a man of prayer during his life. He called out to God and he asked God to forgive them. Obviously, our minds instantly go to the cross of Jesus Christ where Jesus cried out to the Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You see, prayer is a source of endurance. It's how we continue to strive in this world. We said it's very difficult to be a believer. It is. But how do we endure this difficult life in the fallen world? We cling to the word and we call out in prayer and we find strength and we find endurance. Again, we must note that all of this in Stephen's life was due to the Spirit working in him. The same Spirit that we have in Christ. So when persecution comes, big or small, we call out in prayer for the endurance to continue in Christ through the Spirit. The third thing I think we can learn from Rebecca's story this morning that I pray would be an encouragement to you. Is we continue in worship. We continue in worship. You see, this is the source of our focus. We cling to the word, we call out in prayer, and we continue in worship. I don't know if I'll ever forget the image in that video of Rebecca standing in worship with tears streaming down her face, holding the burned and singed Bible of her fallen husband and child. I don't know if I'll ever forget that. And she's worshiping the Lord. How can you worship in that moment? Now, I'm glad that we were made aware that there was months of grief and sorrow 
and brokenness. I think we all would experience that. I don't think any of us are super Christians that are immune from these things. We'd all be in a time of grief. But I love that she gathered for worship. Because worship, and in worship, we find the source of our focus. Again, I'm reminded of Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas were beaten for preaching Christ and for setting a young girl free from demonic possession. And the people that owned this young girl as a slave were angry and had them arrested and beaten. Again, persecuted just for their faith, just for preaching Christ. They were thrown in prison into the deepest part of the prison and their backs freshly bleeding from the wounds that they just received, sitting in a dank, dark, cold dungeon, feet chained to the floor in this deep, depressing prison. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 16, and at midnight, they were found singing praises to the Lord. They were praising in chains. Why? Because although they were in bounds, they were the freest men in that prison. They were in chains, but they were more free than ever before because they were in Christ. And they knew that no matter what happened to the physical, that to die, as Paul says, is just gain. You could take my life, but it just means I get to see Jesus, and so I'm okay with that. See, they praised, they worshiped, and their time of worship led to the sharing of the gospel. And the sharing of the gospel led to a Philippian jailer being saved and coming to Christ. And then the Bible says that his family, his household, were saved and baptized. Little before this, we read about Lydia down by the riverside coming to Christ. And you know what's amazing? When you read that account in Acts chapter 16, we can pause and remember, we just read Philippians chapter 1. Where Paul said, I want you to know, everything that's happened unto me has been to the advancement of the kingdom, the advancement of the gospel. He's writing it to a church that was founded because he was in prison singing praises and sharing the gospel. Acts chapter 16 is the founding of the church at Philippi, which is the letter of the Philippians, which we read today. You see, because if Paul was never cast into prison, he could have never preached Christ. And there may have never been a church at Philippi. But because he was willing to suffer for Christ and willing to see his suffering as a cause of Christ, he preached the gospel and praised God in the midst of it. And church, or God founded a church that later becomes the greatest supporting church to Paul's ministry as he travels preaching the gospel. See, these things are not just coincidence or happenstance. These are happening because of the divine will of God. That God is working in and through all things for his glory and our blessing. This morning we recognize our brothers and sisters all over the world are being greatly persecuted for their faith. Stories like Rebecca's are not uncommon. They're all too common. And this morning we pray for them and for the endurance to continue to stand for Christ. We also desire to learn from them. And I love seeing her sitting with the children going through the memory verse. We tend to think, well, they're so impoverished. They don't have anything. They have all they need in Christ. I think we're a little too soft, a little too spoiled in this country. We've let our comforts and our conveniences make us think that this life is about building our kingdoms. And we forgot Acts chapter 1 says we're his witnesses. And I'm guilty of it just like anyone else. I fall into the same traps of thinking, same traps of living in certain ways. So my challenge is not just to, let's pray for our brothers and sisters. That's what we're here to do today. But let's also ask God to maybe break our hearts a little bit 
draw us unto conviction, to ask us the tough questions. Is this the casual Christianity that I'm living? Is it just a feel-good Christianity? I like worship because it makes me feel good. Or am I committed to Christ because he died for me and I'm his and he's mine and I'll live for him no matter what it costs. We desire to learn from them and in our own lives when persecution comes, we will cling to the word, call out in prayer and continue in worship because that is we find our strength, our endurance and our focus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning, Lord time that we can gather. And we thank you for the freedoms that we have in this country to do so. Freedoms that were provided through the sacrifice of many. So Lord, I don't take that for granted. And we shouldn't feel guilty for that. That's a blessing that you've given to this nation and we thank you for it. Father, the truth is we don't know the future and what tomorrow holds. And there may come a time where our freedoms are not the same in regards to our ability to gather and to worship. But Father, I pray that it wouldn't matter that we would gather and worship because you are worthy of all praise because you are the great I am. So Lord, this morning our hearts break for our brothers and sisters that are going through things we can't understand. Families torn apart, homes destroyed, pastors and Christian leaders thrown into prison for years just because they dared to preach the gospel. And so Father, I pray that as we spend this time in prayer this morning, that we would lift them up to you, that your spirit would guide them and comfort them and minister to them as only you can. But I pray, Father, also we would learn from them that we would look at our daily lives and ask, are we really surrendered and submitted living for Christ? Are we willing to walk into the face of persecution no matter what it costs? Because if it means the advancement of your gospel, then we will do it joyfully. Lord, I know I need to grow in this area. For four weeks, Lord, we talked about having strong and courageous faith and so many amened and so many said that they want that, they desire that, they, they hunger for that. Well, Lord, this Rebecca's story, that's strong and courageous faith. That's a real life example that we can see. And so do we really want that? And if we do, are we willing to step out and ask you to strengthen us and lead us into that? Father, we love you. We ask that you would work in all our hearts and minds as we surrender to you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning? As we're led in a time of invitation, we're not going to make anyone do anything, but if you will, we invite you to come and pray for our brothers and sisters all over the world. Maybe you'd come and bend a knee and say, Lord, we're just going to lift up the persecuted church. I don't know their names. I don't know everything about them, but I'm going to pray that you'd work in homes and in lives and in stories like Rebecca's. Would you do a great work? Would you come and pray? Just step out. Don't worry about anyone else. As we sing the song of invitation, you just come and pray and ask God to do a great work in your life or in the life of our brothers and sisters all over the world.